Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello folks and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, our second weekly show where we look back at what's happened since we spoke to you on Monday and look ahead to this weekend's fixture. Joining me to discuss Air United and look ahead to Livingston is Colin McMillan. Hello Colin. Hello David, how are you doing? I'm not too bad my friend, I enjoyed my night at Ibrox on Wednesday as Rangers made several changes to take on Air United but it didn't didn't seem to affect us in any way as the momentum kept going with uh, the word that keeps springing to my mind Colin is routine um, victory over over air who were plucky and uh, I know that sounds patronising as, as all hell but they tried to play football, they did um, but Rangers just did too much for them in an attacking sense Yeah very much so and routine is a very good word, it's a welcome word actually <laughs> and it's not we should be ungrateful for Bearing in mind what we've watched the last couple of years, going to a game like that last night, at this stage of the season, at that stage in that tournament, routine is exactly as it should be. And I was delighted leaving with the, the result last night. Now, obviously, folks, you you know what happened by now. Rangers won four nil, and we got goals in the first half from Nikola Katic heading in from a corner from Ryan Kent. Um, we then got our second, um, not too long after. It's always important, Colin, to get that second at Ibrox because I think it relaxes the crowd. Yeah, definitely. It definitely does. You can kind of relax at that point, and especially in a game like this, at that point we knew we could start passing the ball about, we could start getting these players that maybe haven't had as much game time, used to the system, used to the eyebrow and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that second goal was vital. And then we got it a good time. I think we got it just around the 30th minute, wasn't yeah, it? Um, Which a, is a good time to get it. A beautiful ball played through by Glenn Middleton. Uh, sorry, to Glenn Middleton from Andy Halliday, um, who was a captain for the night, playing at left back, but... but Pushed into midfield a lot, interestingly, I thought, quite tactically, um, and had a great game, but a wonderful pass. And we spoke about this in our post-match on Patreon, but I just knew he was going to score. And there are players that you just have this instinctive confidence in 
that a one-on-one they're going to score and I'm not going to pick on other players at Ibrox at the moment but over the years we've seen players like if the ball got put through to Ali McCoyst I thought he would score if it got put through to Gordon Jury I thought it was up in the air a wee bit you know as to what could happen and it is just there are some players that you think he's going to finish that and Glenn Middleton of course did Um, he just has that intelligence about his game that he's not the type of player to just hear in on goal and kick it in the direction he's playing He, he takes the look he looks up sees where the keeper is and Stephen Gerrard actually said afterwards he's a terrific finisher well we saw evidence with that one last night and on his first start he continues to impress Colin he really really does and you're right in what you say an 18 year old in his first start playing at Ibrox he's the one that you'd expect to miss the occasion maybe to get the better of him and not to have that confidence but he has such good confidence in himself and belief in his own ability that the fans are very much taken to that immediately with him and we said last night on the post-match that as soon as the ball got kicked through to him, I was sat with Jack and we turned to each other and went, this is a goal. And I believe you did that with the person beside you as well. I did indeed. And to have a level of confidence in an 18-year-old boy who's not played a lot of football for us is remarkable. And it's just a testament to how good he's done and how impressive he's been in all the showings he's had so far. One of the things, though, that uh, I think stands him in, in better stead than maybe we've had for a few seasons is I've got this theory, I call it the Janissai rule, that when a team isn't doing as well as expected, that you look for any sort of sliver of light, any sort of sliver of recovery. And a few years ago, Manchester United were doing really badly. They brought in Adnan Janissai. Now, to hear the way that he was spoken about, you would have thought that this was the next Messi. Um, And it wasn't his fault. He was a good player, but... They needed something, so they all went, oh, well, we've got this boy, look, he's going to deliver for us. And the pressure was huge, and of course, he, he he buckled under it. And I think there was a little bit of that last season with Ross McCrory, when he came into the side that, that we needed something positive, and we glommed on to him. And then when he suffered the inevitable dip that all youngsters do, there was maybe a bit of disappointment. This season, both he and now Glenn Middleton are being carefully managed by a manager who doesn't have that pressure, who has a good team playing well. And they can come in. Ross McCrory has had a really good week. I think he came on in Spain and then he's had two starts in the last two matches and played very well in both. Glenn Middleton, substitute appearance here, a substitute appearance here. The manager said he had this game ringed on the calendar for Glenn Middleton's full debut. It does seem to help, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, that they can come in but also come out. We're not relying on these kids and we're not projecting, basically projecting, save us, save our season onto these kids. And I think that that gives them a little bit more freedom to make mistakes and to develop. Yeah, I think it definitely does. And McCrory's a really good example of that because he also broke into the scene last season and he stood out pretty much from his first appearances. And I did have concerns going into this season that maybe we were over overshooting this guy a little bit and he was only looking so good last season because of what was around him. However, he's kind of shown that to be a lot of nonsense in his last two appearances. And having this squad depth we've got now where we don't need to play him every single game, we can rest him, we can give him one substitute appearance after 60 minutes, we can drop him completely. And it's not a sign of he's not good enough, it's just a sign of there's other players in the team that needs to come in and we're managing them properly. And Middleton's benefiting from that as well. And I think from the interviews I've seen from Middleton, he speaks very well. He seems intelligent. And I think he knows exactly what the opportunities are going to be for him at Ibrox. I think Stephen Gerrard's managed them quite well. 
and explain to him what the plan is because Middleton going down how he's performed is, should be in a chapter on the door and saying play me, play me, play me but I don't think he's doing that because I think he knows what the master plan is and it's a great position to be in Absolutely is, but he is making it difficult for the manager. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Three goals in his last two appearances at, at Ibrox and playing with a, a confidence and a verve, as a lot of them are. And uh, another excellent performance. Now, the other main talking point of the first half was the booking for Alfredo Morelos, which will see him ruled out of the semi-final against Aberdeen. He will receive a suspension after picking up two yellow cards in two matches. And... Look, this is a tough one because of Alfredo's history, if you like. We have seen him pick up bookings for petrol and things. We saw him sent off in, in Russia, for, although I'll never be convinced that referee wasn't on the take. But um, he engineered unwittingly a situation that saw him get red carded. And that was totally his fault. He deserved all the criticism that was coming to him that night. I have a lot of sympathy for him last night, a lot. And uh, it's because... When the tackle came in from McLean, the air player, the only thing I was waiting on was what colour of card he was going to receive for it. Because yeah. it was a stonewall yellow, or possibly, maybe harshly, a red. Because, yes, he did get the ball, but he launched himself off the ground from a few feet away, out of control, reckless, all the things we are told a referee has to consider. And we've been told over the last few seasons, Colin, correctly, it's not about getting the ball. If you leave your feet and it's dangerous and it's reckless, then you will suffer the consequences. That's exactly what happens. Luckily, Alfie sees it coming and manages to kind of jump mostly out of the way. But it's a shocking tackle. It's a type of tackle that can lead to players being seriously injured. And in Scotland, we've seen that. And Rangers have certainly been on the wrong end of that. He gets up, he's very frustrated and does throw his arm up in the air at the referee and there's, you know, he, he's chatting away to the ref, no doubt about it. But I was apoplectic. I mean, I was fucking raging at that tackle. Not even, never mind that he didn't get booked for it, that he didn't, we didn't even get a foul for it. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, oh, Alfie, you should have just got up and walked away. I, I would be raging because as a sportsman, which he is, that's the type of tackle that an inch the wrong way, you're out for six months. And I can understand why he felt, hang on a minute, did, does he have carte blanche to do that again? I, I genuinely don't believe there's another player in the country other than Alfredo Morelos that gets booked for that last night. If you look back just two weeks ago, Kenny Miller was sent off for pretty much the same tackle against us. Sent off straight red card. Not to mention, after that tackle, Barisic is on the ground, holding his leg in an arm and thumping the ground in anger. Um, is thumping the ground in anger worse than throwing your arms up or better than throwing your arms up? But Barisic obviously wasn't booked for that. Same game last night. Halliday shouted at the ref last night for not giving a free kick. He did. Yes, he did. No, been on that. Second half, Mark Kerr running towards the referee, shouting at him. Worse than Morelos. No booking at all either. Um, I had a little look today at Morelos before he moved to Rangers. He'd never been sent off in his career. He's now had 18 bookings and two reds, albeit one rescinded, in the last 14 months. If you look at them, he was wrongly red-carded at Aberdeen. There was a crazy red-card in Russia. Um, that same night in Russia, Ryan Jack actually did the same thing, kicking the ball away to waste time at the end of the match. Nothing happened. In Spain last week against Villarreal, one of their strikers kept running, deliberately lobbed Shagger to score. Uh, after that long time after the whistle had gone he wasn't called back and carded either 
I just don't get what happens with Morelos and why he's always, always to blame for stuff like this. I get he's petulant at times, and that is when we criticise him. We do that on this, we do it on Patreon all the time when it's deserved. Yeah, totally. I think, I think, yeah, I think he's kicked, nudged, fouled more than any other player in the league, so he's put in these situations much more. And another key thing for it as well is that he gets these bookings for throwing his arms up, for gesturing, etc. The guy doesn't speak English. How else, how else is he going to communicate? That's a very fair point. That is a very fair point. We've all done it abroad, where your your hands suddenly come into play because you're frustrated at not being able to communicate, and you you do start to. So absolutely, look, my take on it is exactly that: that when he does something that I think is deserving of criticism, like Ufa, then we will criticise him. But I totally agree. The media set a narrative early with him that he was a hothead and a lunatic, and it's become a self-perpetuating and self-fulfilling prophecy because referees have bought into it wholly, and the more he picks up bookings and the more frustrated he gets um, and the more angry he gets going on at the park, the more bookings he picks up feeds the narrative, and so it continues. Um, It is a self-perpetuating fantasy. But... I do feel for him because I thought last night, as you say, nobody else in the part of the referee will not book. They'll take aside an Andy Halliday and have a word. They'll take aside a Mark Kerr and have a word. He won't do it with Morelos. He'll just book him. And I think that that is pretty poor, in all honesty. And I think he does get frustrated. I refuse to believe that since coming to Scotland, all of this has happened, or that referees in Finland don't book players for petulance. It, to me, does seem that a narrative was created. Referees have bought into it. And the proof of this, if you want me to offer up and, and show my workings on it, here you go. A linesman had him sent off for an incident he admitted he didn't see. Now, that to me is, he would not have done that with anyone else. But he's he has, in that split second, went, Morelos, I think he might have done something. He probably did. Fuck it. And that's what's happened. And that is someone being refereed to a different standard. Completely. And it's, even Morelos aside, there's just no consistency. No matter who the referee is in any game in this country, last night Air didn't get a single yellow card. Uh, I counted at least 10 fouls. A couple of which were late. They were over the top of the ball and play was even halted while their players were given some time to recover. Terezda then comes on and he picks up another yellow card for his first tackle in the game. Now, it was a deserved yellow card. But where is the consistency in yeah. decision making? It doesn't exist. That, that, and that's that, why it's frustrating. We're not sitting here saying don't ever book Morelos, don't ever book Gresda, this is nonsense. We're saying if you're going to book players for one thing, book them all. And then we can't complain. Yeah, but totally Gresda's was a stonewall booking. No complaints. Yeah, but both five there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that that's the issue. And look, no one can convince me that Bobby Madden last night didn't just go, Oh, it's air and they're getting tanked. You know, and there was a sympathy vote. But anyway, we'll come to where that leaves us for the semi-final in a minute. Into second half, um, Rangers get two more goals. Alfredo Morelos gets a, a knockdown in the box from a set piece and drills it in and is immediately subbed. I think then to um, I, I give him a bit of a rest, I suppose, but maybe also to try out a new formation that we're going to have to try in the semi-final. And from that, with three interchanging uh, guys we traditionally thought as wide men, but they were interchanging into the centre. Uh, at one point, Glenn Middleton freed with another lovely pass from Andy Halliday. Um, and again, no no worries what he was going to do with it. He drilled it in and, in fact, could have had a hat-trick near the end. Um, really good, solid performance and lots of players getting game time. The likes of Graham Dorans, Jordan Rossiter returned, which was brilliant. Grejda, 
Uh, all in all, almost entirely positive, except, Colin, the semi-final. Rangers will be without Alfredo Morelos and also Kyle Lafferty because he is cup-tied. Obviously, we knew that. There's, there's no issues there. Um, now, the manager was asked, and I think logically, about Umar Sadiq. Now, we, we said on the show on Monday, if Sadiq couldn't get game time against Ayr, then it didn't bode well for his future. And a couple of people suggested to us you're being a bit unfair there. He's you know he's only just here. We haven't seen enough of him, and I get that. But um, he couldn't make the 18 against there, and uh, never mind get on the pitch. And when the manager was asked, and I quote you here, he said, uh, "Not unless he brings more to the party and improves an awful lot between now and then." Colin, that's as definitive a statement as I think I've ever heard a manager give on a player. He's not getting in the team, is he? It's completely damning, actually. It's tonight, sorry, last night, I should say, was the ideal opportunity to get somebody that came in the team and give them an opportunity and see what they can do. But he's obviously not done enough to even justify getting that. We had quite a lot of really young guys in the squad last night, giving them experience. And if they're further ahead in the pecking order than Sadiq is, then I can't see him being here much longer. I don't know if he's got the Dalcio contract, which means we can keep him all year, or if we've got an opportunity to put him back in January. But I just can't see this guy being picked now because if he's not picked last night, what game do you bring him into? No, you, you, you can't not pick him at home to United, then pick him in a semi-final against Aberdeen. Um, it wouldn't be fair on him, never mind anything no. else. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, he'll be on his bike in January. And look, most of the signings have been really good. In fact, all of them really, apart from him. So, managers are going to make the odd error and it's it's no reflection on Gerard, I think. No, it's not. It's probably the only thing, the only frustrating thing I'll say is that I wish we'd just uh, maybe stumped up the cash a little bit earlier and got Lafferty and then this League Cup thing would be null and void because he wouldn't have played that game for Hearts. But that's just looking, looking back and hoping for a different alternative. But we're going to have to do something different in this semi-final. We're going to have to change the formation slightly and probably play without an out-and-out striker. And that's going to be interesting, but we did do that for most of the game against Aberdeen earlier in the season. Mm. So we are used to it, when Morelos has been sent off, so it's, we're going to have to look at something different. A positive thing from last night is the starting lineup was, uh, the average age was just over 22, and in fact dropped when the substitutions took place, which is hugely encouraging. It's massively encouraging. That's And a lot of those players are all signed up in quite decent contracts, that is really encouraging for the future. Rangers in my time watching them have never been a young side. Never. Rangers had just haven't been a team that plays a lot of youngsters. You always get the odd one breaking through, starting back with Charlie Miller, Barry Ferguson, then you had like Alan Hutton, players like that that come through, but it was one at a time to have a, a squad of players from all over the world at a young age being at Rangers now is massively encouraging. And the funny thing is that I, I don't know if you've got it to hand, but we looked at we actually looked last night at the squad against the air four years ago. Yes. And the the comparison between that squad for just four years ago and what played last night was frightening. Considering last night was our supporting cast, a lot of the main players weren't even playing and the difference was stark across the whole pitch. So the draw uh, pitched us against Aberdeen with Hearts taking on Celtic. There was no easy draw at this stage, Colin. There really wasn't a particularly favourable one way or the other. So anything that came out the hat, as far as I concerned, was uh, que sera, sera. 
yeah, you I've probably quite enjoyed getting Celtic out the hat because of the way they're playing just now and get them sooner rather than wait until New Year for the game. But all the three games are going to have their own challenge regardless of who it was. And Aberdeen semi-final, whenever it may be, will be meaty. That'll be good. But I'm not scared of it. Oh, Christ, no. No, I'm very much looking forward to it. Whenever it will be. Because um, there has been some scheduling conflict. The, the tie due to be played the weekend of the 28th. Now, the problem comes that one game was supposed to be played the Saturday, one game was supposed to be played the Sunday, as we know. And Rangers and Celtic are both in European competition in the Europa League on the Thursday night. Now, the options available are uh, that both semi-finals could be held at Hamden on the Sunday, with one played probably at 12 and the other played around about 5, or maybe even slightly later. Um, option two would be they're both played on the Sunday, but at different stadiums, with Murrayfield being touted as one, although that would require quite a big rental cost. Um, or option three, one of the old firm is made to play on the Saturday, with it likely to be Rangers, with the excuse used that Celtic are away and Rangers are at home on the Thursday. Colin, from the people who brought you their previous fuck-ups, here comes another. Neither of these options are are good, to be fair. Um, Playing them both on the same day is dangerous for a couple of reasons. If the first game goes to extra time and penalties, you've got a very small window to get that stadium ready, get everybody out of it, and then get everybody else in it for the next game. There's also a lot of pubs in that around Hamden and you're going to have fans coming out of one game and going to a pub and fans wanting to go to a pub before the next game. It's got disaster written all over it, to be honest. I don't see that being allowed. Um, I don't see why either Rangers or Celtic should have to go through Edinburgh for a semi-final either. That doesn't sound ideal to me either. And probably the least um, favourable one is we certainly shouldn't have played it on the Saturday um, just because we happen to be at home. If you want to get really particular about it, um, we are we, our home game will be finishing after Celtics um, they, they'll still be the 6 o'clock kick-off that night they'll be the 8 o'clock kick-off and even Stephen Gerrard said last night I think with a smile on his face that the Celtic game was the first tie out of the hat so surely they should go to the Saturday no, I think it seems fair I mean it does but this is again about playing semi-finals I mean when I was growing up League Cup semi-finals the whole League Cup was played midweek um can't say I see a reason. Never been a big fan of weekend semi-finals. It just doesn't feel right to me, and I know that that's an age thing, which would have avoided the problem. Also, yeah, uh, but you you can't continue to do this. You can't continue to ask, um, uh, you know, Scottish clubs to do well in Europe and then fuck them about. Now we obviously saw the whole two thousand and eight shitstorm that got kicked up by George Pete. We know what it's like to suffer. Um, because of this but we're out there representing Scotland right and whether or not we like it or people in Scotland like it that's a fact we're doing well for Scotland the coefficient has gone up dramatically this year and folks that ain't down to Celtic that's down to us so if we're out there doing our best for the country never mind you know morally we should get help which we should but just practically we should get help from the, the governing bodies it's, it's common sense Totally, and it's, this isn't a this isn't a Rangers versus Celtic thing. This is both clubs. Neither neither club should be forced to play on the Saturday. The the authorities should be bending over backwards to help both of us in Europe, and they're not going to do that, or they're going to do it for one and not the other. And I think we all know who the most likely club to suffer is with this. And it's going to be really interesting if it does come to that, how the club approach that and what they say about it. 
Now, looking ahead to this weekend's match, um, we will go to Livingston and their already infamous plastic pitch, which even by SPFL standards looks uh, a cracker. Um, now, unlike Kilmarnock's, this is one of the ones that you've probably played on, folks. Um, it's one of the ones with those little black balls in the turf that seem to get in your socks, in your shorts, up your arse, in your foreskin, everywhere. Um, yeah, Colin, I've got to admit, I'd normally just go, look, it's a plastic pitch, just go and fucking play on it, but this one does look extraordinary. Yeah, it's it's very, very poor, very poor. And um, I've, I've heard Gary Holt actually talking it up for this week and saying that if he was offered a grass one, he wouldn't swap it. He's off his nut. Um, we've got at least three or four players that I don't want anywhere near that pitch next week. We've already seen what can happen with Murphy this season, playing playing in the plastic pitch. And we've got a few good few players that are just coming back from injury or are on the road to recovery that we would, should, probably should be starting to slot into games like this. And we just can't do it. We can't risk them on that pitch. And to have a top-flight game in Scotland where we can't play the players we want to play, for the, for the sake of their own health, it's embarrassing, it's shocking. Mm, that is, it really is piss poor. Um, but it is what it is, Rangers will have a huge support there after Livingston opened up more tickets um, to Rangers supporters. So, very much looking forward to it. Uh, it will be uh, an interesting game because Livy are no pushovers, Colin. They are doing really well in the league at this moment. And in fact, if you wanted to sum them up over the last two seasons, it's Livy are no pushovers. There's a lot of teams... Um, both in the Championship and League One thought that they would steamroll or should steamroll them and they don't they work incredibly hard they got a draw at Tynecastle last week you have to earn everything against them this will not be a breeze it will not be like you know the air game a training exercise they will fight for every ball yeah, they very much well and just looking at the league table they actually match us pretty much game for game they've got three wins two draws and a loss Obviously, their goal difference is significantly worse, but just last week, they managed to get the draw at Tynecastle that nobody else has managed to do. they the first team to actually cost Hearts points in the league. And they have the benefit of they train on this pitch every single day of the week. That stadium is their training ground, so they will have the, the benefit of being used to that pitch and how it plays and the bounce of the ball. Because you've seen on these pitches before, the ball, when it lands, it doesn't move properly, it doesn't bounce properly, and they will have a slight benefit with that. And it's up to us to go there with the best that we can and just try our best to perform as, as we can on that pitch. Um, we've got the players to do it. Um, I expect a lot of players to come back into eleven this weekend. Obviously, McGregor. I think Goldson and Katic will start together. Yeah, Tav should come back in. Yeah. Um, if Arfield still isn't fit, yeah, Arfield. Um, if Barisic still isn't quite there, leave him out. Don't get him near that pitch. And I wouldn't be adverse to seeing Andy Halliday staying at left back actually. He had a terrific match the other night, he really did, and I'm very pleased. I think every Rangers fan is very pleased for Andy Halliday for the way he's turning it around. Of course, great comments from Stephen Gerrard this week. He said, I love Andy Halliday. Um, one of the things that the manager said to the squad in the summer was, I don't care if you know, you've know you got tattoos of the club or five stars or whatever. If you're not good enough, you'll be gone. So it's not a sympathy vote. Andy Halliday's there because he's working his nuts off and he's impressing when he's getting into the side. Yeah, very much so. He's, we spoke before... He is capable of taking instruction and he's doing that. Gerard's given him something to do in every game and he's doing it and he's not moving away from it. He's been reliable and he's done exactly what's required of him and that's all you can ask for a player in this position. Bearing in mind, this is a guy who loves the club and he thought he was over. He didn't think he was going to play for us again. He was fucked off to Azerbaijan, brought back, didn't really play, 
we didn't think he'd, we, we were waiting for him to be sold in the summer, truth be told, weren't we? Mm. And it didn't happen, and it's, he's turned it right round, and he now is a realistic option. He's not a starting 11 player for me, but he is somebody that I've got no fear now about coming in, taking a place in a various couple of, a couple of different positions, to be fair to him, and I trust him completely now. And I couldn't say that. A month ago, a month ago, six weeks ago. No, he's earning his spot. Um, I think you have to under this this management team. I think it's it's that simple. If you're not cutting it, then you're gone. Um, I don't think that Steven Gerrard's going to hang his hat on one individual player, but. Andy Halliday is doing exactly that and I think it's it's tremendous and I think we're all very pleased to see that. Um, I agree with you about the, the changes to the team. There are certain players like Rossiter that you just think, nah, not this week, not on this pitch. Um, and they, they, they would go from my thoughts as well. Um, and yeah, it, it'll be interesting because it'll be physical and we'll need to match that, which I don't really have a lot of concerns about. But then play our football and maybe a couple of times a season we haven't quite done that. Motherwell... Um, where I think that we matched them physically a lot better than we had done previously, but then maybe didn't quite, certainly in that second half, produce enough quality to, to put the game out of sight. No, I think Motherwell was something different to us that we weren't, we weren't used to, and it was a bit of a shock to the system, going behind in that game and not being not being as dominant as we'd been in other games. So I think we're, I think we've learned a lot from that, and I think the European performances have really improved us in that area as well. And we've got players like Kandias that come in, who are physical, who are strong, but can also be quite creative as well. So as, as, as much as this is going to be a hard game and it's not a guaranteed three points, I've, I still believe the team will go and get us the three points. I just don't think it'll be the 5-0, the 4-0s we've seen recently. No, I totally agree with that. I think we'll win, but um, if anyone's thinking, ah, it's Livingston, we're going we're gonna to trounce them, I really don't think that that's the case. Although admittedly, I didn't think we would be trouncing St Johnston. Um, I thought that would be a much closer game than it was. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. So Colin, give me your score prediction for Sunday. I think we will have a hard-fought 2-0 victory. I'm going to echo that. I think that will be the score. I think I, I don't think it'll be a classic match. I don't think that the style of Livingston allows you to do that, but I think that we will have enough about us and enough quality to get the job done. I certainly hope so as well. So 2-0 is the score we are predicting if you want to mix who put a line on. Now... Um, just before we go this week we'll be back on Monday of course with uh, Heart and Hand the flagship show now if you want more from us then you only need to go over to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash heart and hand and you will find up to five shows every single day loads and loads of content including my good friend Colin has a couple I do yeah I've got a couple of shows on rotation just now I've got Top of the Flops where we look at some of the players where didn't really kick off them at Rangers We've looked at Philip Sebo, we've looked at Sebastian Rosenthal, Daniel Prodan, and I also to take that show with another one called Nine in a Pro, which is where we look at all the players that took part in the Nine in a Row era and uh, look at their contribution on a player-by-player -player basis. We've got our next episode due to drop, which is Brian Loudrop, um, which we're doing in a bit more long form. We're going to do an episode per season for Brian because he is a special and he deserves it. And um, look out for that one in the next couple of days. Um, if you want to read more from Heart and Hand, then go to heartandhand.co.uk, where you can also buy some Heart and Hand branded merch as well. Uh, we are going to be playing some live shows between now and Christmas. We're heading over to Northern Ireland next month. Um, but before that, we will be playing my hometown of Cowinning at the Cowinning Orange Lodge. It doesn't get much staunchier than that. 
Um, if you want to buy tickets, then they are available. If you visit my timeline, um, it's at Ibrox Rocks on Twitter or check our Facebook, which is just Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. Uh, and again, available on Patreon. Tickets are £10 and it's a, you will have an extraordinarily staunch evening. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to my executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. Thank you to my guest, the wonderful Colin McMillan. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, take care. Cheers. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.